0: welcome to the counter narrative podcast a show designed to change the way we talk and think about education by sharing stories of successes and triumphs we aim to challenge the dominant narrative that often negatively portrays our disenfranchised populations i'm your host charles williams an urban educator for more than 15 years, a current school principal in Chicago, an educational consultant, an equity advocate, and the co-host of Inside the Principal's Office. Let's get started. In this episode, I chat with Lee Hole. A secondary school leader for the International School of Nam Penh in Cambodia. After starting his career as a PE educator in his previous high school and serving in various roles for nearly a decade, he and his wife moved from the UK and entered the world of international education by serving as the head of a school in Dubai. Lee has had the honor of leading professional development projects with the British Consul in Bahrain and in the U.S., serving as school reviewer for evaluations, and mentoring new leaders as they enter new roles. During our conversation, we talked about the benefits of working in diverse settings and experiencing various cultures that may be drastically different from your own. He also pointed out his experiences with stereotypes and prejudices, though these were not necessarily prevalent in his own homogenous town as he was growing up. We connected this with the concept of colorblindness as a justifiable approach to interacting with others, and Lee suggested that instead of sitting within our comfort zone, that we take the time to ask questions and truly listen so we get to know those around us. Ready to hear more? Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Counter Narrative Podcast. So excited that you are joining us again. Um, Now, this is a special episode for a few reasons. One, as you'll notice, I'm not in my usual space. I am at the ASCD conference. uh, So I'm jumping on with a friend here all the way from Cambodia. So super early for me, super late for him. Um, And so then we have my Inside the Principal's Office show. And then I have the conference downstairs. So busy, busy day. But uh, I am excited to have this gentleman back. He and I have had the privilege of connecting um, and we tried to do this before and we did an entire show and it was amazing conversation <laughs> and something happened to the audio and it all went so we're doing it again we're doing it again and it's not an issue because i love connecting with this guy lee how are you doing today i'm great thank
1: you yeah it's great to be back it's great to have another conversation with you um i guess we got we had a dress rehearsal so let's hope that the live performance is
0: even better this time <laughs> there we go that i i like that uh that that mindset so um you know, as I mentioned, you know, briefly, as I was, you know, just talking about what uh, is going on today, I mentioned that you're in Cambodia. So I don't know if that flew by anybody. Uh, So I want to pause and just uh, open it up really quick and allow you to talk a little bit about who you are, what you do, how you ended up in Cambodia, because you don't sound like you're from Cambodia. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe just something interesting about yourself. And the plus side is that you could use the one from last time since nobody knows.
1: Yeah, if I can remember. <laughs> no, I'm certainly not Khmer. I'm not. I'm not a Cambodian national. I don't speak Khmer. I can just about tell a tuk-tuk where to go, left and right and straightforward. Um, I'm originally from a, a between two cities in the UK, Sheffield and, and Nottingham. They're the two main cities where I where I'm kind of from in the UK. Um, I took the plunge into the international world a, 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 quite a while back. Now moved over to Dubai. Um, I always struggle with that. I am a PE teacher or I was a PE teacher. I think I, I always will be a, a PE teacher, phys ed teacher. Uh, but obviously, I'm not in the classroom at the moment. I um, moved into a principal position in Dubai and took over a, an IB through school in Dubai as the secondary school principal. Um, that was my kind of baptism into the IB world. And I've I've never looked back. I think it's a wonderful educational philosophy framework, however you want to look at it. Um, and then I was very fortunate to to move across to Cambodia and take on the role at at ISPP. Um, interesting fact: I don't have many interesting facts about me really. I've, I've led quite a boring life. I guess I I made the, the the decision and the mistake of going in the Royal Marines when I was a younger man. Um, I didn't last very long. I did, a, I did a few months of basic training, then realized like, what am I doing? I want to be a teacher. Why am I Why am I laying in the bottom of a bush, filthy and wet and cold and tired? So, that's that's my interesting fact, I guess. <laughs> All,
0: right. All right. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate it. Um, you know, always, it's always interesting. I, I, you know, Wallace is. You know, we both know Wallace. He, he's been trying to push me into the international space, right? Um, and it sounds very tempting. I, I get to see some of these schools. I get to speak to some of these people. And it sounds amazing. And then I think like, well, well, my baby, she's 18. So it's like she's about to go off to college. In fact, we're taking her to go see her school next month. Nice. Um, but we, you know, my wife and I, we have five daughters. The oldest one has given us a grandson. So it's like, do we, do we really want to move halfway around the world? We've, we've talked about kidnapping him and just taking him away <laughs> He'll get an international education. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I feel that pain. It it certainly is a it's it's a big decision to make. I do feel feel that I was very fortunate to marry the lady that I married. She's very uh, open minded, adventurous, and kind of we literally threw threw caution to the wind. We'd never even been to Dubai when we moved there. We'd never really been to Cambodia when we moved here. So it, it really is uh, your mindset changes when you move into the international setting. I, I do feel one of the things that I feel incredibly fortunate having moved into the international setting is is my my mindset has has changed so much i think um when you talk about being open-minded there's only so much only so far you can go with that if you're from the town that i'm from because you're not exposed to different cultures different languages different religions even dare i even say it different perspectives everyone's raised roughly in the same way, having experienced the same sort of schooling system and the same uh, regional ethics and, and morals and things like that. So you really lo- You don't get, even if you're the most open-minded person, if you live in quite a homogenous area, you don't get that, that kind of open-mindedness. I'm, I feel so fortunate. I've worked with children from all different, children and families from all different religious backgrounds, different language profiles, um, different nationalities. Um, and I've learned so much from every, every family that I've been involved in, right from the way that I have to behave with them if I'm dealing with a, a sensitive topic to the ways in which things are celebrated, the language use, the, the perspectives on things. Um, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's just been amazing. And I, I really would recommend it for anyone if they have the ability to cut ties from their friends and families and spend months at a time without seeing anyone. So I feel your pain with the grandchildren thing. It's it's, <laughs> it's
0: nasty being cut off from your family for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, not that that didn't make it any easier. I <laughs> it sounds amazing. It sounds amazing, but you know, it, it makes me think about kind of the conversation we had last time. And, and I know you were kind of talking about the, 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 the vast differences within the schools and yet many of the same similarities, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, People may deal with like here in the States or in other countries. And so I'm curious if we can jump into something that you have seen, uh, you know, how however you or what have you seen that kind of challenges that narrative that people may have a misconception about within education? Hmm, That's a tricky
1: one, I guess. Do, do you mean as in something that I've experienced that kind of caught me out a little bit? Or do you mean po- positively or negatively? Or, or ha- what do you mean?
0: Yeah, I, I think either or, you know, I, I know last time when we were, you know, we connected, you had talked a little bit about, you know, the, despite all of the vast differences within the schools, you know, you also talked about how still there are, you know, there, there are still some of those like racial issues and how, yeah. Yeah. um, you know, there, there's perceptions about what things are like, but here's the reality. And this is how we're dealing with those realities. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I, when I, when I completed my master's, I, I did a, there was a unit on, on, um, I forget what the unit was about now, but there was a topic within that that talked about microaggressions. And one of the things that came up in that reading was that like, one of the worst things that you can say is that I don't see color. I, I kind of, mm. I don't see color. And because that's like you're, you're, um, you're neglecting the fact that there's difference. And it's not about pretending that there's no difference. It's about recognizing the difference. And I, I found that really challenging for me because I think I t- said to you last time, when I grew up, um, the school that I went to, there was, there was one young black man in, in my school. He was a, a year or two above me. There was one Pakistani family in the school. They had multiple kids in different grade levels to me. Um, and everyone else was white. So for me, um, I never associated the rich kids with one language or one particular way of looking or one particular skin color or the naughty kids, or the academically able kids, or the kids good at math, the kid good at science, the kid that's good at PE. I never did that because the, the naughty kids were white, the, the good kids were, were white, the rich kids were white, the poor kids were white. Um, so I never had that kind of, that that subconscious connection to kids that are predominantly from this neighborhood, happen to be this color and that's a poor neighborhood. Or kids that look like this, happen to have a certain cultural way in which their family approach the importance of mathematics and therefore they end up having a quite a mathematical mind so i never had any of that it was always it, it, there, there was none of it and then when i came away um came away to to go into an international school i started to experience some of that um i, I got a little bit of it at university because i moved to a major city so there was a little bit of it there Um, But I think I was so caught up in my own studies and living the university life that I probably didn't see it as much. But moving into an international school, I did start to see it. And I started to hear things about being careful how many people from a certain um, ethnic background we hire because of the, the, the potential image that might portray. Um, or hearing other people saying things like that. We have to be cautious of how many people at our school. We have to be cautious of this. And I never really thought about that at my school. I I interviewed people. If I liked that person, if I vibed with that person, if I thought they fit with my community and and they would bring something that would strengthen my community, I'd hire them. Um, I never thought, oh, that's uh, the third um, Filipino person we've hired into our science department. We need to be careful there because that might start to give some sort of perception. Um, but then it really struck home to me. I, we hired a, a lady from from the states, um, and she was a person of color. And she sat in her p- first teacher conferences with uh, a family, and I won't mention nationality or anything like that. But she sat with a family, and they. Um, she came and reported it to me because I had to. I ended up, obviously ended ended up having to address this, and she came and reported to me and said they asked me where I was from, and I very casually said i'm from the states um do do you mean am i from america or do you mean the state that i'm from i'm from atlanta if that if that's what you mean um and they said no where are you really from and she said i and she shared that she'd had a similar background to me where she'd grown up with white kids and she was the only black kid and therefore but she'd never felt like that she was different she'd never been made to feel that way and it I I I would hate I, I can't empathise because if I can empathise I've, I've walked in her shoes and I haven't I could sympathise with how she was feeling but I was caught out by the fact that she wasn't upset she wasn't angry she didn't I, I didn't the emotions that it triggered in her were really were really strange for me that it she seemed the only word i can think is confused she uh, she was confused that this person would be so open to to say no where are you really from and she she didn't know how to how to respond so um i went and spoke to the head of school at the time um and said that this is this is something that's happened the family were quite known to us because they were a bit of a tricky character <laughs> and the uh, the head teacher t- to his credit said when you meet with that family tell them that they can have their deposit back and they can leave the school unless if that's the kind of the approach that they're going to have, that's the mentality that they have, um, explain to them that we hire the best teachers that we can find and blah, 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 blah. And we went through all that. And fortunately, the, 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 the family kind of realized the error of their ways. And, and I won't go into the details of the conversation, but um, they ended up having quite a good relationship with that teacher. And, and hopefully that was something that helped them to be better, um, yeah. better people. Um, but I was caught out by that by that kind of comment that was made. The other thing that I I experienced for the first time um, when I moved internationally was banners outside schools saying all our teachers are hired from Britain, like all teachers, all British teachers, because it's apparently only British teachers can teach the British curriculum. Um, But that that for me is a strange kind of um, kite mark of quality is that our teachers are British, like that's some sort of. Yeah, kind of mark of mark standard of, of quality. Now, the school I work in now, I've got teachers from the Netherlands, I've got teachers from different African countries, I've got teachers from the Philippines, I've got teachers from the States. Um, and I wouldn't say that any one of them are better than the other based on the country that they're from. So to have that as a banner outside of school just seems odd to me. So, yeah, there's some of the, I guess, they're some of the watershed moments that I've had.
0: They're, they're some of the mem- more memorable ones for, or infamous ones. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, I'm wondering if I could dive into this, the the idea that colorblindness a little bit, yeah, because you, you know, you you bring up an interesting perspective. I think, you know, at least like here, you know, in the States, we're extremely, in in most places, um, you know, we're extremely diverse, right? I mean, you you tend to see people that look different from you, um, depending on where you live within the States, but it's just a common thing. But I remember the first time I traveled overseas, really overseas, I went to China Hmm. and I stuck up, right? I was like, there's nobody else in this space that looks anything like me. Um, And it was vastly different. So I kind of understood some people to say, hey, I grew up not knowing anything else. And so it's easy to kind of just put up these blinders, strip those things away because it made sense in my community, if we all look the same, if we're all kind of growing up with the same mentality, then it's a safe, it's okay for me to have those blinders up and to say, well, we're, we're not going to recognize this and that. But in the reality of the world, right, when you when you're in around most people, when you strip that away, you know, and I talk about this in one of my sessions that you're saying that I don't recognize what you're bringing to the table, those unique characteristics and qualities, of your race and your culture, right, that you're bringing into the space. Um, And so I'm just curious a little bit, if you were to tell somebody, right, like, if somebody was in that position, making that mindset shift, what would be some of the reasons or rationales or tips or strategies, I guess, you know, to say, Hey, you know what, yeah, I came from this very homogenous area, Uh, don't really know anything else into this area that's extremely diverse what are some things that i could do so that way i don't keep those blinders up hmm. and run into some of those problems
1: um first of all i'd be careful to to say anything because i'm certainly not a not a pro at this and I, and i when i i we we were meeting with our students the the other week um, a certain committee that i may come back to later if the opportunity arises where um i said to them i don't know how to do this you, you like you're going to need to help me with this and i think there's a, there's a very, I mean, I've asked the question myself. So I, I hired a guy um, a few years ago and um, he, again, was a person of color and he explained to me that his father was from Sri Lanka and he's, uh, sorry, he said he was half Sri Lankan, half Irish. So I said, oh, cool. Um, which side of your family is Sri Lankan? Is it mom or dad? And I've I sensed a little bit of heat straight away. And he kind of said, why do you ask that? Um, and and that that in that moment that could have been a moment that kind of really escalated the conversation where i could have responded with why are you so offended by 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 an innocent question like i'm only i'm only asking you a question dude and i could have got i could have got all prickly but i think you've got just got a sense and and this is the the nuance of microaggressions isn't it it's the it's a, a small thing once not a problem but when that person's facing that that small thing a hundred times a day it's a problem it it causes problems and it it was obviously something that he had had negative experiences around and i said to him my response was i'm just really interested to find out about your story and that disarmed him straight away and just went oh okay that's well it's actually my father and i was like oh cool what what's his what's his story and i was just genuinely interested in him as a person trying to find out about him and i ended up finding some really cool things out about his father he told me really really kind of um really unique stories about his dad arriving in in great britain in england actually his mum had arrived from ireland at the same time in england this really lovely story of how they met how they had nothing and how they'd grown and become this really successful family how he had obviously gone on to become successful and I think it was that, that genuine um, inquisitive nature that I had and, and then recognizing the signs that this is, I'm treading on thin ice here and I have to be really careful about the language that I'm using. Um, and I think we have to be really sensitive to our, the way that we respond. Um, I had a, a conversation with a friend the other day, actually, it was talking about, he's in China at the moment, stuck in China. And he talked about racism in China and how white people or Westerners are now being treated as kind of the carrier of COVID. They're, the, the only cases that are coming are coming in. So they're facing all this racism. And I almost wanted to say, dude, cry me a river. You're a white guy that's probably, probably had a, enjoyed a lot of privilege for a long time. So you, you, you're getting a bit of a hard time at the minute. Yeah, okay, let's, let's kind of walk in those shoes for a
0: while. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned the, the, the gentleman that you interacted with. Um, Because I've had the same question, you know, I'm, I'm half black, half white. And people have always asked, well, who's black? And, you know, I, I never really thought about it when I was younger. I was always like my dad, Mm. but there, as I got older and I started realizing like those mean two vastly different things. Like when I'm imagining a black man or a black woman, it's like, oh, you were, your dad was white. Okay. You know, it's like, oh, but your dad's black. Uh, Okay. And it, it, and it brings this whole different connotation with it. And it is that kind of same question, like, why are you asking? Like, are yeah. you asking, like, yourself, is it coming from a place of genuine just interest because you're trying to get to know me, because you're trying to drop those blinders and build relationships and connections? Or are you doing it because you have your own biases and you're trying to figure out where do I stand with you? Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, do, it's do interesting. You feel
1: that a, do you feel there's a difference between saying, so you, would, you actually identified that there as saying, I'm half black, half white. If you'd have said, I'm half Jamaican, half Norwegian, I feel that there's more of a story there. But to say, I'm half black, half white, I kind of wonder, wh- why does that matter? Why, why would that question be asked? Who's, so which half of your family is black? I think if you'd have if, if there was a story behind it that could that could create that inquisition, then I, I kind of understand it. But I I wonder if there's any difference. Do you feel that that's any difference?
0: So you know, when I was younger, I didn't. Okay. But as I got older, I started. You know, it was we want to know who's black because there's a there's a difference of saying, well, your father was black, so now we're imagining it's a black man in the picture. Right. So when you're like, oh, it's a black man in the picture. Uh, he, you know, was he present? Was he not present? Oh, Whereas it's like okay. if your mom was black, there's no question. Okay, right? we know mom's there. Oh, dad was white. Like we're just assuming that it was, you know, a a I forgot the name of it that that family. Um, you know, but it's like, oh yeah, everything was okay. But oh, your dad was black. Was he in the picture? Like, wait a minute. So it leads down these two completely oh, different okay. pathways. And as I got older, I was like that's really, no, like it shouldn't matter who is who, but I started realizing, you know, that led to a whole set of kind of perceptions now that you have of me, like, Oh, so if your father was black, this is how you probably grew up versus, you know, and it's unfortunate, you know, again, I think that's a reflection of many of the deep seated and ingrained, you know, the history Mm -hmm. even here in in this country. Um, But it's important, I think, like you said earlier, like as educators, as we have students coming into our spaces from diverse backgrounds, you know, not to to be cognizant, right, to be cognizant of our own biases. So we're not contributing, you know, to those microaggressions, because you're right. It may be small. It Mm -hmm. may seem insignificant. Like I, I was reading something that said, imagine a microaggression of somebody just, you know, one person walking by and punching you in the arm. No big deal. And yeah. now imagine you're walking down the street, and 20 people are walking down, and each one is punching you in yeah, the arm, like yeah, your arms, like, yeah. like it adds up. And so, yeah, definitely being cognizant of where you stand, so you're not contributing to that. Yeah,
1: and it's a tr- it's tricky, right? I mean, it's it's one of those things where it instantly there, you tell you you telling me your perspective, because I, I genuinely I, I I hope I wouldn't ask that question if someone said. Um, uh, i mean it, it it would only be black white I, i'm half black half white I genuinely hope i wouldn't follow up with which half of your family is black because that i, I that's not something i'm i I'm, I'm inquisitive about but even even in that situation, I would never have thought that that's the perspective that you would take from that that's the way that you that 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 would come across to you and that's potentially let's let i mean if we're if we're being honest about um the way in which we approach this potentially that is my subconscious or my unconscious that's where my mind's gone to when I asked that question and I, but I would never have taken that perspective. So it's, it's really interesting to hear you talk like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's been a journey and I, and I've talked about this a lot, you know, just kind of my own journey and discovering and realizing, you know, my background when I was, when I was younger, right. My grandfather, he raised me, my mother's uh, uh, father, and he was from Ireland. And so he saw, you know, some, uh, many of the atrocities that were occurring in this country for people of color, especially men of color. And in his attempt to say, I'm going to try to help you, he stripped that away. He implemented, you know, an extreme version of color blindness mm. to say, you know, you're not, we're, we're not going to recognize those things. Mm. So I grew up for a long time, not recognizing that I was a person of color, which you're like, how do you, it's like, I'm just really tan, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but as I got older, I started like exploring that and like launching into it. And I'm like, Oh, and that's when, you know, a lot of these things made sense. And, you know, reflecting, you know, there were a lot of microaggressions growing up, but I never even realized them. You know, I, I I have in my yearbook, one of my friends wrote, you know, you're my favorite darkie. And again, just me being completely naive, it was like, and I look at it now and I'm like, how was I so ignorant? Yeah. You know, but that, that was, that was my experience. And again, I think that's you know, we, we started off kind of talking about colorblindness. That's one of those things when you, when you strip it away, you know, and you don't have the tools or the cultural capital to navigate spaces. It's like, it, it could become a very dangerous place for you to be because I was just sitting there naive to all of the things that were happening around me. And while it helped, cause I wasn't getting hurt because I didn't know yeah. it didn't change the reality of the situation. Yeah. Right. And, and as I got older, it's like, okay, like, Maybe you weren't really, really my friend, like, or maybe you were, and you just had your own bias and growing up and you were just doing what you thought was okay as well. I don't know. It's just, it's, it becomes very complex.
1: And that's, that's, that's one thing that I think, um, you, like you say, we as educators, we have to do a better job Mm -hmm. of teaching young people how to approach those conversations. Um, without without aggression, without without fighting fire with fire, uh, that's my perspective. I guess is that it's kind of go, hey, hang on a minute, because what you've just do you understand that what you've just said? It, it like let me let me just say back to you what you've just said to me, or let me just let me read this to you so you can hear it said. And this is this again. What like what you shared with me today? Let me share you with you my perspective when you say that to me or say that about me. Um, and I think that's that's one of the biggest responsibilities that we have with young people is is providing them with the tools to advocate for themselves and others. So hang on a minute, you shouldn't be talking about him in that way. He's not here, so I'm going to advocate for him and and empowering those young people to be able to have those conversations um, in a well-informed and but powerful way. Right? I think that's a mm-hmm. that's a big responsibility for us
0: yeah i absolutely agree you know it's, it's advocacy is one of the the three a's that i say are like the equitable tenets of education you know and, and and i think it's also important just as we're talking about this you know we are we're in a very my school is very homogenous very much i think like in a very situation that you grew up but we are all african american mm-hmm. so my students you know they they live in a community that's predominantly african american the school is predominantly african american so the other day, for example, a young lady came up to me and asked if I was married, you know, and then she said, well, like when I mentioned that my wife was Mexican, she was like appalled. So said, well, why, are, why are you upset about that? She was like, well, they're loud and they're rude and they're this and they're that. And I said, honey, like, why are you saying, well, that's what my mom says. Right. And so like, here you are, she's in second grade. You already have this idea about yeah. another group of people. And it stems from, I think, in large part, because you don't interact with anybody from this, you know, from this other group, Um, you know, so we started having conversations around that. But, you know, I also think that it goes beyond just, you know, race, because I think a lot of times, again, in those homogenous groups, like we're starting to see this about, you know, we start talking about like gender identities or or Mm -hmm. sexual orientations. And it's really, it's a really tough conversation to have because people are like, we don't do that. Eh, like it exists just again just like i know we talk about color blindness but this is another type of blindness just because you ignore it doesn't mean it no longer exists
1: yeah for sure that's i mean that's i do feel that that's whilst i i'm not saying that um race is 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 not something that we have to consider at our school i think there are greater uh greater areas of bias and and um, challenge that we face i mean the the socioeconomic differences is is a greater area where I guess when when I consider it in that way not that necessarily the groups are attacked or or singled out for being one way or the other but it's the way in which you see students kind of coexist and the the kind of the ri- the the really rich kids are coexisting together and not Part of a of a collective as much, and and then the, re, the 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 students that we have at our school that are on the other end of that spectrum kind of coexist together. So whilst there may not be any kind of friction between them, there certainly is that those groupings that that come together. But one of the things that um, our student union are, are looking at at the moment, it was their priority number one when we when we put our union together, and then our student life committee came off of that their priority number one was about the use of pronouns in school. And the reason why that became their priority number one is because inclusive is mentioned in our guiding statements of our school. So we'd said about one of, one of the things that we want you to really focus on is how we can make our environment as inclusive as possible. They said, if that's the case, if, if, on, if our, one of our number one priorities is that, then we have to make the, the students in our school that do not feel um, like they are being included in the conversation because they don't identify as he, him, she, her, we need to address that. And I've been blown away by the way in which they've approached things. And, and the, the epitome of it for me was I was sat on the lawns having a conversation with them a few weeks ago um, and I uh, we we talked about teacher perspective and how they were talking first of all about how do we give these students the permission and the authority and the the place to be able to identify to us that they are non cis male non cis female and they want to be identified as they them. And they the first when we started talking about the, the teacher involvement, their response was well let's hear their voice let's inv- invite the pet the teachers to a conversation and let's hear their voice. And I, I, f- I thought that was so powerful that they didn't say, well, let's, let's put something together to share with teachers and tell them what we want to do. They'd, that they, it was these young people, these 15, 16, 17 year old people had said, let's bring them into the conversation and let's hear their voice before we take action. And I thought sure. that uh, who's teaching who here? <laughs> are they, are they, who's I'm trying to guide this conversation the right way. And you guys don't need me here. It's just like, we can, you can do this on your own. And, and I, I, they, I, I learned a lot in that moment with, with that group. That, yeah, it's, it's just about hearing people and then kind of getting that, getting to grips with the, where they're coming from. Then we can move forward with helping them to understand our perspective, and that's kind of their approach on it, which I thought was really nice and really, uh,
0: really um, forward thinking on their part. Well, you you bring up a great point with our students, right? We we talk about student voice, choice, agency. And the reality is, I think, and many, many times, these things are just normal for our students, right? They're growing up with this, like the concepts of like different pronouns, or the like. They're like, yeah, like it's just part of who they are. It's the reality is, it's like it's us, right? Mm -hmm. It's the adults who are uncomfortable, who don't understand who, Mm -hmm. and we're so accustomed to creating systems and processes that make us comfortable. So we know how to operate within them because it allows us to have the power dynamic right so it's very scary to take that step back and say kids like can you can you run with this but like isn't that what we as educators are supposed to do right we're supposed to give students the tools and the skills empower them and step back and let them grow and flourish but oftentimes that means that we have to be uncomfortable we may be operating in a space of unknown and it's like but that's okay Mm. that is okay
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think the most uncomfortable thing for for educators, um, effective, high quality, caring like educators that have the right mindset, is that fear of failure for the young people. Educators very often are so scared of the young people making mistakes, something not working for them, that they they over scaffold things, they over support with things, and it's again, it's just about prepare the students because i've had conversations again with groups of students where i've said listen you're putting a lot of work into this and it might not work so let's just be ready for that if it it falls flat on its face then let's be ready to dust ourselves off and start again and reevaluate and go again so i always try to preface that with with young people that are working on anything i always say to always kind of say to them this might not work so just be ready for it not to work so this that's why it's really important that you plan properly and you 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 keep the information from your planning so that you've got that and that you can look back over that and you can kind of go, oh, maybe this is where we missed out. We didn't inform the director that we were going to try and do this. So maybe next time we bring the the director in a little earlier. But yeah, just just allowing them to fail and giving them that freedom to fail, but then being there to pick them back up. That's when we become so critical as educators. Is not when the students are succeeding or when they're on the way to success. It's actually when they trip and fall and we have to be the people to to pick them up Dust them off and, and, and get the momentum back for them and and that's, that's the bit that I kind of enjoy with these sorts of things, um, but they're certainly leading the way for me at the moment with the with the pro- pronoun work
0: that's for sure uh, Well you know Lee as always wonderful it's, it's been a wonderful conversation. I look up and I, I'm always amazed like this time just flies by yeah. while we're having these great <laughs> conversations. Uh, so as we get ready to wrap up here, you know I am sure there are educators who um, you know they want to connect with you. You know, not whether it's just to say I know somebody in Cambodia or whether it's, you know, to say I really want to pull from the wisdom that that Lee has or maybe they're looking for an international job. Who knows? Um, But how can they find you? How they how can they connect with you?
1: Well, I've got, I've got quite a distinct name. So there's not many of me out there. So um, Twitter, I'm on Twitter. I, I try to use Twitter as much as I can because I, I find that I connect with some wonderful people on there. So you can find me on there. Um, LinkedIn, is, as most educators are now, and I do have a website that I've not kept as up to date as I should have done over the last few months called wholeineducation.com. Um, so you can see some of my musings and some of my um, my thoughts have been spilled out onto the webpage there. So um, I'm happy to connect with anyone and... and Carry on any conversations that I've had on here. All right.
0: Well, thank you so much. I'll make sure that I include all of that in the show notes, uh, so that you, the listeners, are able to connect. Lee, I want to just say thank you for you know being on the show, of course, but again, all of the amazing work that you're doing. Um, you know, I hope at some point maybe I get to come and pay you guys a visit and see you in person. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Uh, so I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. It's been a pleasure as always, and I cannot wait to connect with you again. Thank you. The
1: pleasure's all mine
0: i want to thank you for listening to the counter narrative podcast if you're enjoying the show please be sure to like subscribe and of course share it with friends and family I'd also love to hear your thoughts about the show, so please leave a comment or two as well. Now, I'm not sure what platform you're using, but the show can be found on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and plenty of other platforms. If the show isn't on your preferred site, let me know, and I'll be sure to get it up and running. This podcast is also featured on schoolrubric.com, where you can find educational articles, videos and interviews with educators from around the globe be sure to connect with me and other listeners by following the show on twitter at the cn podcast and joining the show's facebook group take care